Welcome to Plant Network Podcast, where we talk to horticulturists about their gardens and their careers. Hello and welcome to the Plant Network Podcast and an interview with. Today I'm speaking with Andy Spetch, who is the National Topsoil Manager for British Sugar PLC. Good afternoon, Andy. Hi, Rebecca. So can you tell us a little bit more about your role? Uh, yeah, so I've been with British Sugar for 32 years to the day, actually. I got a note this morning to say I've done 32 years. Uh, and for the last 25 years, I've done a role that's got this grand title of National Topsoil Manager. Uh, what it's responsible for is the recycling of the soil that comes in on all the sugar beet so we buy about seven and a half million tons of beet and each one has a bit of soil sticking to it and instead of wasting that soil and dumping it we recycle it Uh, and each year i'm getting around anything from 250 to 350,000 tons of prime arable topsoil and then my roles covers the uh, the recycling of that, so the digging it out of the lagoons, the drying of it, the making it into final products, the management of the budget that covers that, and then the sales and the management of the sales team. I have a team of five that work with me. So you've been doing that for a few years now. Is there anything that you really enjoy about the role? That I'm really the only person in British Sugar that that does this role. So I can be quite inventive. I can try new things. I am left to my own devices quite a lot. It's like running your own business. And managing my team, I really enjoy the, uh, the challenge of that and working with the team. So is there, there anything that you're working on at the moment that's particularly interesting, particularly for the Plant Network audience? Yeah, I've just started some work with the uh, the Sports Turf and Research Institute up at Bingley because I think there's an opportunity for us really and also for all the industries we're selling to to think more about uh, the environment and what is happening to the environment. And traditionally, a lot of materials that are put on to especially sports pitches tend to, and golf courses tend to be very high in sand and to some extent this can apply to gardening as well and in, into horticulture now sand is a very inert material it doesn't hold on to nutrients very well it doesn't hold on to water very well so if you're using those sorts of materials you have to put a lot of fertilizer on maybe which man-made fertilizers not fantastic for the environment and you've also got to keep irrigating a lot to keep the plants going again not great for the environment whereas if you were to use materials that have an element of soil in them so have some uh, silt and clay in them the silts and clays add nutrients and will help to hold on to moisture So the work STRI are doing for me is a replicated pot trial to look at that influence of adding soil to sands 
uh, and what savings can be made in inputs. Is that is that something that you're carrying on doing? Is that something that really drives you then, that whole environmental sustainability angle? Yeah, ve- very much so. And as a as a bigger company as British Sugar and as Associated British Foods, our parent company, that is very much what we're all striving and driving towards is having a, a sustainable industry and an environmentally friendly uh, industry as well. Well, congratulations on the 32 years with British Sugar. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now and your, your interest in soil and the associated agronomy and agriculture and horticulture? Uh, yeah, I should add, I joined British Sugar when I was 10, so I am still quite young. Now, I was, I was brought up uh, in, in North Yorkshire uh, in a very small village called Drax. Long Drax, actually, which is next to now what is the biggest power station in Europe. And all my family were farmers. So from a very, very young age, I, I was used to working on farms and, and working with soils. And soils to a farmer are his biggest asset. So he really has to look after them. And I guess that just got ingrained in my mind from a very very early age and I I had an interest in it my my dad and my uncles as well as farmers were very keen on gardening very especially vegetable gardening and that's something that I've I've carried on with and I have have two allotments now as as well as garden at home and that again makes you realize how important it is to get that foundation that soil uh, correct. So you've always worked in soil You've, you you came into the role with British Sugar to work in soil. Was that was that how it all started? No, I when I uh, when I left school, I, I went to agricultural college. I went to colleges in Lincolnshire and Nottinghamshire and studied studied agricultural farm management. And then I worked on farms, driving tractors, preparing seed beds, planting potatoes, harvesting sugar beet. And then I was lucky to get a role with British Sugar, say 32 years ago now. It, what British Sugar had always been something I was interested in and very keen to get a job. And I did pester the living daylights out of them to get the job. And I, I got a job as an agronomist where I would advise a number of farmers in a geographical area how to improve their yields and quality of sugar beet so they don't earn more money from the crop. Uh, I also did some R&D work with the with the company, doing field trials, and I, I also went over to Poland for two years where we had sugar factories in the early 90s and did trials work there. Now, a lot of that trial work, because I was very practical, having driven tractors and machines, I tended to specialise in seedbed preparation. And so, again, that brought in soil and how best to look after the soil so it is something that i guess is it is when i look back it's been this common thread and something that i have always been interested in when i when i came back from poland it was just as the business was looking at all what was its waste streams at that stage and soil was one of those and they said to me look we'd like you to look into ways of recycling the soil and uh, and maybe selling it as a product i yeah took that role on and uh, and have uh, 
been with it ever since. What advice would you have for somebody who is beginning to, to I don't know, start on the pathway in a land-based industry, particularly horticulture, but could be any land-based industry? I think it's grab every opportunity that's given to you. <clears throat> don't dismiss anything. Think things through, opportunities that are put to you, but, but don't just turn them away uh, because you never quite know what will come from them. It was a bit like when I got offered the opportunity to go to Poland. It was just as the Iron Curtain was coming down. I was married and I thought, I don't really want to go to Poland. But when I thought about it and what it might do and help with my career, it was the right thing to do. And, and it definitely proved that to be. Again, when I got offered the topsoil role initially, I thought, well, I'm a farmer and, and I'm a, an agronomist. I'm not a salesman. And I can't really see what we can do with this topsoil. But again, after thinking about it, talking to a few people, took the role on. And it's opened my eyes to all these industries I knew nothing about, like landscaping, like professional horticulture, uh, like groundsmanship. So, yeah, that would be my biggest uh, piece of advice. Has anything inspired you as you've gone along? Or is it? been more serendipity just taking chances as they've come along i think what's inspired me has uh, has really been my family and uh, especially my parents they you know that they, they always encouraged me to push push the boundaries and uh, and try things and not not be scared to to try things once i was lucky enough to get in british sugar i could see the opportunities that were there and there's been a number of people I've worked with over the years that have been ma massive help to me. And uh, I've, they've always been my go-to people. So I suppose they've inspired me as well to, to keep moving forward. But once I got the topsoil role, and it was very much then my, my little business, I haven't wanted to move on from that. I've just wanted to develop that and achieve with it what I set out to achieve. But are there any gardens that you do enjoy visiting that you would recommend to people? The one garden that I think is absolutely fantastic, because I am a bit of a novice, especially when it comes to, to uh, the flowers. I'm more vegetables than flowers. But it's Hyde Hall, the RHS garden at Hyde Hall. Uh, I've worked with those guys. We've supplied them with our materials for a number of years now. And they're a fantastic team. They're always, their enthusiasm is so infectious. I go there and I come away and I think my wife dreads me coming back because I'm just full of ideas. I want to change this, change the other. So that, that has got to be the place I just love, love to go and visit. Yeah. Well, that leads on to my next question about you're stuck on a desert, a deserted island, not a desert island, a deserted island. So it's just you and three plants or horticultural equipment or books or something like that. What would you take with you? In terms of equipment, I'd take a spade. Without a spade, you can't, uh, you can't garden very well. So I'll definitely want a spade. Uh, I would have to have broad beans because I absolutely love broad beans. I'm quite happy to eat broad beans every day. And then something like lavender, I think, it, it brings back a lot of memories of, of family and, and places I, I've lived. 
it's just a lovely smelling plant, I think, and it's great for the bees. The bees love it as well. So something I've got quite a bit of in the garden. So again, practical, practical answers there, but with one that has an emotional link as well. So the lavender. I did expect three vegetables from you. I have to admit, Andy, when you said you had two allotments, I thought you're going to, you're just going to give me three vegetables, aren't you? Is there anything about you that might surprise people? Surprise people. So I guess, yeah, out of out of work and really what's dominated most of my life. Uh, and why I was probably a little bit of a late starter and frustrated my parents and all the money that invested in me was uh, was rugby, rugby, uh, rugby union, something I played as long as I, I could up until about, I think, probably 15 years ago when I had to, to pack in. But certainly in my late teens and, and early 20s, that was the number one for me much more than my career and uh, I made some great friends and I played I played for Lincoln Rugby Club for many years and had a, had a great time uh, and achieved quite a lot so and I still have my interest in rugby now I'm a volunteer groundsman for the RFU in the Eastern County so in Norfolk Suffolk and Cambridgeshire keeps me busy and uh, gets me out meeting lots of people in, in, in the rugby world. And I've been lucky enough through through my work, both with the RFU, but with with, uh, with Topsoil, to visit places like Twickenham, a lot of the, profession, the other professional rugby clubs that are out there, the Emirates, uh, Wembley, etc. And uh, like I said earlier, coming from farming, I didn't really know groundsmanship was a, was an industry. But yeah, since then I've, I've I found it as, and I've got a real passion now for groundsmanship. I, I looked after the local rugby clubs uh, pitches at Bury St Edmunds, where I live, for for several years. Uh, I actually won Volunteer Groundsman of the Year one year. I think that was in 2012. So yeah, it does. There's nothing nothing better than the smell of freshly cut grass and nice stripes on a pitch and nice white lines it gives you a lot of self satisfaction i i think it's amazing as well if you if you watch football and rugby from 30 years ago the state of the pitches towards the end of the season mm. and then you look at what it is now mm. and you think wow it's almost like it was at the start of the season so i, I that's and it, i think that's and amazing. it does and it does rebecca again come back to the the soil and the management of the, the soil that's un, under that pitch. And that is the most common issue I find when I'm visiting clubs, if they've got flooded pitches or losing matches, is because they're not looking after the soil. Is there anything that you're working on at the moment that you can tell us about? Or is there anything that you, you other than the Sports Turf Research Institute, are there any new products coming online? Is there anything new that might be of interest to horticulturists and gardeners i've decided i'm not going to look into developing any new products we two years ago we did uh, bring out uh, several new products we brought out our we call it heart loam our planting topsoil and i brought out a top dressing uh, that we call sports and turf and as well as selling them in bulk we started to put them into bulk bags as well and those, all those products 
and the packaging size we're selling them in it's growing but i have to be conscious i've only got quite a small team and there's only so many hours in the day so i put a bit of a hold at the moment on on new products and uh, really focusing on just selling more of what we do and, and doing a better job in that because customer service is is something that i i get i get quite excited about and it's something that the team will tell you i get excited about and i think there's more we can do there to help 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 our customers and work with our customers uh, yeah it is making best of what you know it is a very very valuable resources soil there's a lot lost year on year through erosion you know we as a company we try and work with the farmers and in my earlier years with british sugar in the r and d work i did look at ways of reducing the amount of soil we bring into the factories and if you go back probably 15 20 years ago by weight on a beat in those days, there would have been 15% of soil on each each route. Whereas now we've got that down to about five, five to six percent. So a massive reduction. Can't really get it any lower than that uh, without breaking the sugar beet, bruising and damaging the sugar beet. But we still work hard with the farmers to to keep as much soil on on the farm as they can. But at the end of the day, we do get this soil in, uh, and instead of sticking it in a hole, dumping it, wasting it, uh, we're putting it back to good good use. So after 32 years with British Sugar, what does the future hold for you, Andy? Well, I, I've, I've thought about retirement, but uh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for it. I'm going to keep ploughing on with British Sugar job-wise in the same way I have been really. The, the, the business is actually a cost to British Sugar. It's always been my challenge to make it a profit centre. So I'm getting close to it. So that is something I want to achieve. So we're, we're all working hard to try, to try and do that. I also want to do more with my, uh, with my groundsman's work. I got invited last year onto the board of the Grounds Management Association. So I'm in my just in my first year of that. So I'm really enjoying that and want to help them and get get more involved. But I said earlier about my team and managing my team. I've got quite a young team uh, of young ladies. They're all doing a great, great job. But I love the coaching aspect of it. They were, they were all new to Topsoil, which is, isn't a surprise, really, because it's not it isn't the obvious career choice, but they were all new to it. But they'd all got selling skills. So it's just helping them, really, to develop into first-class Topsoil salespeople and help them with their careers as well, wherever you know it may take them within British Sugar, hopefully, higher somewhere. Thank you very much, Andy, for speaking with oh, me today. Pleasure. Nice to see you.